Turn to Isaiah chapter 40, where you speak of this uh, on many occasions. I did yesterday at Stella's uh, service, and I believe it is a good word. It is the word of God, so it is good, because <laughs> God is good, and he speaks good things. Isaiah chapter 40, and we'll look uh, at uh, verses. Let's just begin with verse 26. If Can you find it, Jennifer? 26 through the end of the chapter. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Of course, all of them are my favorite and yours too. I love uh, speaking on this because it's so powerful. And a little history here as we look at verses 26, I believe we can look at, or 25, either one. 40 verse uh, 25 through the end of the chapter. The people of Israel were going through some tough times. The northern kingdom was already been taken over by Assyria at this time. Okay, Southern kingdom is getting ready to be taken over by Babylon. Bad times. And all these bad things were happening. And what the people were thinking was, hey, how can this be? These people that are taking us over are not even believers in God. And so they were disillusioned about what was happening at that time. And they were tired and weary. They were worn out. And you know, sometimes in our uh, Christian life, we feel worn out. We're just tired. You know, even that second cup of coffee doesn't do the trick, okay? Doesn't give the punch like sometimes we want it to be. And, and the people were very disillusioned. And here it could be said, and these sort of these things that are kind of illustrative of what I'm talking about today, and that is if you're, you're stressed out, if you achieve a runner's high, by just sitting up. Okay. If you say a sentence over and over again, not realizing that you have said it before, you're just repeating yourself, right? You know, you pop popcorn without putting the lid on it. You know you're stressed out, right? You use your MasterCard to pay your visa, okay? <laughs> Transferring one debt to another. And you explore the possibility of setting up an IV drip solution of espresso. Uh, you're really stressed out if you need that, okay? Give me an IV drip of espresso. I need caffeine, all right? You can be very stressed out. And we know that obviously there were studies in the past about 1965 that were projecting that we would work less hours and have more free time, more leisure time, and all that. Well, that didn't work out too good, did it? Because most people probably today work 50 hours plus, and probably 50 is on the minimum side here. And so we are a society that is very tired and very weary. And I love this scripture to be able to speak to people who are tired and weary. And certainly here as we begin in verse 1, actually, and you don't have to turn to it, but what it says here. And, and God is speaking through Isaiah's comfort, yes, comfort my people. Comfort, yes, comfort my people. He begins the chapter with comfort my people. Now, these people were, they were going some, through some very difficult times. They had major disappointments. Life did not turn out the way that they thought they, that it would turn out here. It had not, obviously, turned out the way they expected it to go. Since they were God's people, they thought they would be successful. And yet, we, they saw failures from their viewpoint all around them. 
and, and they, they wonder what is going on here. And when you read this, and we'll, we'll read it, anybody got uh, verse 26 or 27 right in there? And maybe you can read half of it to, uh, to the end of the chapter. If um, anybody got verse 26, can somebody begin at verse 26 and read down to about verse uh, 29? Anybody? Powerful. You say, this is all meant for spiritual stuff, Jim. Yeah, it is. But actually, when the spirit man is being fed and being strengthened, then obviously it's sort of like it, you can, can say it this way, it permeates to the physical to give you physical strength. When you're weary spiritually, do you realize you're also probably weary physically? We are soul, body, and spirit, okay? Or soul, uh, our spirit soul and body, right, Jerry? Right? The way it's spoke, watch the knee says it, and so forth. You know, I say sometimes body, soul, and spirit. But saying the spirit is most important, that will be what the part that goes to heaven, certainly. But when we see this, and what, what Isaiah is writing to a very weary uh, group of people that were very tired, and this scripture is so, and I will a lot of times talk about it at funerals because it incur it's an encouragement to the family who's going through the grief process. Now, the family there, the Callison family, I'm sure the Bishop family is the same, same way, is we go through the grief process. We don't grieve as the world grieves, but we do grieve, and we grieve. Sometimes it's heavy grief, and we wonder, and sometimes we question our Christianity, like, you know, Lord, is this so hard on me? I know where my loved one is, but what's going on? And so we need the word of God as comfort because I want to tell you, sometimes I just want to, in any way, just allow you to read the word of God. When, when you ladies read the word of God today, how powerful that is. It just goes out into the airwaves, touches our spirit, man. I could stop right now. The word of God is enough. It's enough. It takes care of it. It doesn't need necessarily, although God has used it to, for us to come up and to preach it and teach it, and study it, and so forth. But the Word of God is so powerful because it says it's living. It's active. It's very sharp. It just pierced. It will, will touch us. And so, as the Scripture talks about here, when he says, O Jacob, O Israel, how can you say that the Lord doesn't see your troubles and isn't being fair here? What is basically what he's saying in verse 27. He's looking and saying, you know, what's happening is, is God is not just. God is not fair. And everything that goes on and under God's hand is just because he's a just God. He will do things. But sometimes we feel like life is not fair. Well, certainly in our viewpoint, it isn't. And sometimes it seems like when it rains, it pours. It seems like when one person has one really bad day, here comes another bad day. You know, I don't know what happened as far as the Bishop family, the history, but I know in Stella's life, is she was over here in the nursing facility in Webster, and she was in there for four years. And in most of that time, if not all, she was there in her recliner. She was either in the bed or she was in the recliner. Every time I visited, she was in the recliner. And so she didn't have the strength. She had, to begin with, she obviously was able to breathe room air, but at some point they had to put her on a nasal, nasal cannula and obviously had to give her oxygen and and so forth to support her and to bring comfort to her. And so uh, it was a long time. It's a long time and, and so forth. 
But I believe that Stella drew her strength from the Lord. I believe she was able to go through that in a way that, that was very honoring unto the Lord and with dignity, even though she would rather have been up uh, walking around doing what she could do. Or the other opposite of that, she wanted to go home to be with the Lord. And neither, neither one of those happened before this uh, Wednesday week ago. But she ran that race and she got strength from the Lord. These people felt that God had let, him, let them down. When we really get disappointed, we really feel down deep. We never say it because we're Christians many times, but we feel like God has let us down and God is not fair. And the real thing about it, the real point of this, is God is completely just and He knows exactly what He's doing and we have to realize that. And so, you know, sometimes you know we've asked God to save maybe those that are closest to us and it doesn't seem like anything is happening in their lives. Maybe we have children that it doesn't seem like anything is happening. We prayed and prayed and prayed, and maybe somehow we feel like God has let us down. And when we get focused upon those things and the circumstances, it will drag you down even more. You will get tired, you get weary, and you lose that strength that we know keeps us going. Isaiah's addressing this situation here. You know, Elijah, the prophet, we've talked about him here. He obviously was greatly used by the Lord and he had prayed earnestly for revival in Israel. He could, had con courageously confronted the prophets of Baal, those uh, prophets really of demons there, and he had defeated them and he had called Israel to repentance. He had basically given his best shot. He had gotten out and did all that he could do. Uh, Jerry was referring to Jeremiah this morning in Sunday school. Jeremiah was called the, the, the weeping prophet. He, he wept because, you know, he preached and, and preached and preached. And, and sometimes he was like, God, I don't want to do this anymore. And, you know, he says, I've called you since your birth before the history of time, actually. And, and nobody that I know of, and Jerry maybe could say too, came to the Lord and actually repented during that time of Jeremiah's particular time of uh, his prophecies that went forth. He, nobody changed. And sometimes today what we see happening, it seems like to me that people are going the opposite way. I see people every day going out into eternity without Jesus Christ into their lives and my heart grieves and I look at it and I move on past it. But the reality is, is a lot of times it seems like we're on a slippery slope downward and there doesn't seem to be any light that's really shining. Seems like, God, why don't you do something? Why don't you come? And we see killings now, as we've talked about over, over the last years, and they become more and more frequent that are taking place. And we're like, God, why don't you come and judge? Why don't you come back and, and, and speak your word, your truth? Because we know that you could stop this in just a heartbeat, and yet nothing happens. You know, you see all these things, really, and it makes us weary. And many times we look and get caught up in our, in our circumstances and, and it seems like it just drags us down, doesn't it? You'll get tired. You know, in Psalm 73, Asaph has similar feelings. He, he talks about the prosperity of the wicked. And basically what Asaph said, who was David's worship leader, he was wor the worship leader there at the, the, the David's tabernacle. So he was in the Shekinah glory of God. He was in the manifest presence of the Lord. He had encountered the Lord numerous times, and yet it looked like to him that the wicked 
were getting along just fine, and they weren't. And he began to question the Lord. He began to, to sort of look at the Lord and say, you're not being fair, God. You're not being fair with what's going on here. And everything seemed to be, go backwards. Then God opened his eyes to the big picture. And then God let him see how light his afflictions were compared to the eternal destruction of the wicked. He gave him a view of the big picture. And that's what we need also. We need to look back and we need to look beyond these things that we see. And we need to see the big picture. We need to see how great God's grace and mercy is. We need to thank Him and obviously preach the gospel every day because we've been saved by His grace and by His mercy. We need to look at those things because if not, it will bring us down. And just like the people of Israel, it will make us tired and weary and, and will just drag us down and say that God is not fair here. You know, Jesus and His disciples were on the sea. They were in their boat after a hard day of ministry there. You remember Jesus was asleep there in the boat. And remember disciples got upset because they said, Master, uh, we're afraid. We're getting ready to die. We're getting ready to drown. Now these haughty fishermen, they did all they could to be able to keep that, uh, that boat floating. And they found out in their own strength that they could not do it. And so they called upon Jesus. And you know, if you don't get anything else out of what I'm talking about today, I want to tell you today, if you feel like you're in dire straits, to call upon the name of the Lord. If you feel like that God hasn't answered your prayers in the way that you feel like you should, or maybe you thought he would, and you're disappointed in God, I'll encourage you today to call upon the name of the Lord. The enemy will tell you to give up, to back off, to say this is never going to work. The enemy will pepper you and me and our minds with thoughts that are negative towards God in some way or another, denouncing his power and his glory. But in one way or another, we need to stay focused and call upon the name of the Lord. My prayer many times, as I've mentioned, is, is that, Lord, I need your help. Holy Spirit, help me. Whatever the issue may be. And the, Isaiah is given a reminder here when he says, Have you not known and have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he neither faints nor is he weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. He is reminding the people of who God is. He is the one who spoke things into existence, the whole universe, who keeps it revolving exactly the way it should. Do you not know? He's saying, he's asking a question, and he's not trying to get information from us. He already knows. He wants us to ponder. He wants us to think about it. Do you not know? And have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He reminds them of who He is. And you and I, on a regular basis, need to be reminded who God Almighty is. Amen? We need to be reminded that He is the God of all the universe. He is overall. He is not in one way or another, left us here. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the everlasting God. He is not here today and then gone tomorrow. He's not a deistic God that created the earth and is out here somewhere distant from us. The Bible says just the opposite. He's a God who interacts with His people. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And He is with us no matter where we are. 
And all we have to do is call upon His name. And that choice is so much in front of us in every decision that we make. But we make the choice to call upon Him or try to do things and work them out the way that may be in our own strength, just like the fishermen did when the boat was getting ready to be the capsized. And Jesus, they went up. And He basically is just saying, Oh, you of little faith, do you believe that I am who I say I am? You have God Almighty in your boat today. Jesus is in your boat. Jesus is in my boat. And He helps us through our sickness, not just with spiritual things. He helps us in the everyday things of life, everything that we go through in life. He has no shadow of turning in Him. I love that in the book of James. He never changes. He's always the same. And His ability never changes. His love never changes. His divine nature never changes. And that's the good news for you and me. Malachi chapter 3 says, For I am the Lord, and I don't change. Therefore, you're not consumed, O sons of Jacob. I do not change. That word therefore in that verse, God's people here were saying, it's vain to serve the Lord. We've wasted our time because it has gotten us nowhere by serving the Lord. And God's not being fair to me. God's not taking care of me here. And again, he, they lost their perspective on life. And that's what happens to us many times. You know, obviously, instead they drawn back instead of pressing in to the Lord. They had robbed God when they should have honored Him. When we honor the Lord, when we come back and we remember who He is, when we both begin to declare, I mean speak it out, thank Him and praise Him wherever you are. That praise, obviously, God inhabits the praises of His people. And whenever we declare it, even openly, confession with the mouth. I'll confess that Jesus is Lord and I'll believe in my heart that God raised Him from the dead and the Bible said you shall be saved. Romans 10, 9. And so we declare that today. Obviously, the situation could have turned out terrible, but except one thing, the eternal nature of God. God is love. His mercy endures forever. He doesn't change. Yes, we deserve judgment. Yes, but we, have not but we have not received judgment. What have we received? We received mercy. We can praise Him throughout eternity. In fact, we'll thank Him for our healing. We'll thank Him for taking care of us and His protection. But what will we praise Him for throughout eternity? For our salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. We will stand and the fullness of the reality of what Jesus Christ did for you and for me and for every believer will be so vivid to each one of us, it will cause us to praise Him throughout eternity. There will be no, obviously, of these things of backing up. We will really press into the Lord at that point, and we will praise Him forever. God does not change. His mercy has prevailed over judgment here. We are tempted to say in our hearts, my way is hidden from the Lord. It's a good time to be reminded of who God is. And He is the everlasting God, full of mercy. He's a covenant-keeping God, Jehovah, here. Also in verse 28, when he says, the creator of the ends of the earth, nothing escapes his gaze. He sits on the circle of the earth. He stretches the heavens like a curtain in verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket, and they're counted as a small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the owls as, as a very little thing. In other words, nothing by everything we do 
He is there. He's watching. He watches over us. His eyes on the sparrow and he watches over us. He's there. Nothing. There is no problem in this church today or in the world that our God cannot has already overcome and can overcome in your life and my life. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that's impossible with God Almighty. Absolutely nothing, Jeremiah. He didn't get tired. He doesn't think. He's not like us. He doesn't get weary. He doesn't think. He doesn't give up on His people. Our weariness is not a reflection of His weariness. He's not weary at all. He is strong here. His strength is inexhaustible, obviously. If He doesn't do it, it's not because He can't do it, right? His understanding is unsearchable. He has wisdom beyond anything. He is the God of wisdom. He's overall, He knows everything. He, I love it because prevenient grace means He's in tomorrow. He's in the next weekend. He's in the next Sunday. He's already there. He knows what I'm going to speak on already, all right? I make a choice, yes, and I delve into it, and I want His heart on the matter. But I want to tell you, He already knows. He's already there. He's into you tomorrow. You've got doctor's appointments. You've got all these things going on. You've got challenges financially. You've got all these things happening. He's already there working them out. He's unsearchable in the way he does that. Remember what happened to Job? One of the greatest men, not the greatest man on earth in his day there, he began with some strong opinions about what God was doing in his life. And his friends had really a lot of opinions, remember? They said, well, they're sending you life, Job. You need to get it out of there, and then everything will be okay. And, and Job searched his heart and asked God and, and all and couldn't come up with anything. And remember what finally happened? God asked the question, and he asked Job. He said, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? God's very good at asking the right questions, and Job's answer was, I lay my hand over my mouth. The unsearchable wisdom of God is ultimately the wisdom. In other words, Job saw, he goes, he goes where were you when I put, brought it all together? And Job said, I need to shut up. And I need to shut up right now. That's how powerful God is. We don't understand the power of our God. He's the everlasting God. He taught, obviously, who taught him his counsel and his knowledge? Who took counsel to the Lord? Anybody here tried to give counsel to the Lord and say, God, you need to do it this way because your way is not working out? And I know better than you. Don't raise your hand in here because you know one way or another we've all done that. And I'll tell you right now, one way or the other, we've all done it in one way or another. Why? It's because we get frustrated in God's timing and we say God is slow, He's never on time, and He's always bogged down and doing something else over in Israel. Maybe He's too busy for me. And we sometimes think in our mind, because we answer and pray and pray and pray and pray. And you know, one thing that can hinder if we regard sin in our hearts, then we know God doesn't hear us in that sense. But He has a way of getting us back to that and, and to pray until we have the breakthrough. But what happens in that time of prayer? And you're not seeing the immediate answer. Is God's doing something in my heart and your heart and that person that's praying. Don't give up. Keep praying on those things that you know God has promised you. God doesn't change here. God has given an assurance here to His people that God has not overlooked us. He hasn't overlooked you and me. 
He obviously a promise to the people in verse 29. He gives power to the weak. Here we go. Here we go. We'll culminate with this because this is great. He gives power to the weak. Not only is God omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, not only does he never get weary, but he graciously shares his strength. Hallelujah. (laughs) He shares his strength with you and me. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Amen? Again, spiritually, yes. Hallelujah. But he gives it to us physically. How many of you in here, and you can raise your hand to this, need strength in the Lord today, I will raise and help you to raise your hand because I know y'all need it. All right? Because we need the strength of God. But he graciously gives us his strength. He does that, doesn't he? He obviously, we sometimes, we get upset and we question God's fairness. His response is to comfort us. Can't you just hear him say, if only you knew me, if only you knew my heart towards you, if only you knew how much I love you, that I gave myself, I gave my only begotten son. If you fully could understand that, how only if you knew my heart towards you, You know, a couple weeks ago, I did say that God, obviously, one of the longings of the heart is to have the assurance that God enjoys us. And you go, he enjoy me? Gosh, you know, I'm an old broken down, you know, I'm a nobody and all that. No, you're a child of of the God, of the King. You're a co-heir with Christ. You're an heir of God. You're more than a conqueror through him who loved us. You have the victory in Jesus Christ. You are a child of God. You are no longer a slave to fear. Right, that song says, Kendrick? You are no longer a slave to fear. You are a child of God. And He enjoys you and I. He's singing over us, the Bible says, right now. His banner over us is love. I've always shared, I'll share it again real quick. Remember, I was sitting at a high school, I love high school football games because, you know, it's... It, and some of it's political, but some of most of it probably is not. I love to see the kids out there, and they're they're playing good football. I was sitting at the football game, and I was watching that guy with his banner. You know how that flag flies a big. A lot of times they're huge, and this the, one of the cheerleaders takes that flag, and he's running around the field. And all of a sudden, I felt like God spoke to me and said, "You see that banner right there? Your name is written on that banner, Jim Barkley, Jim, right there." And I'm, you're, it's like my spirit is running all over heaven, all over the, the universe with your name on that flag, waving behind Jim. My, his banner over us is love, the Bible says in the Song of Solomon. His banner over us is love. He enjoys us. And I said, well, let me get a little bit more spiritual because I feel like a babe in Christ sometimes in some of the things I do. And yet, even in our spiritual immaturity, although he doesn't want us to stay there, he will mature us, he wants us mature, but even in our spiritual immaturity, he enjoys you and me. Isn't that great? Isn't that something to shout hallelujah about? He loves you and me. If he only knew what my heart was all about here. And his solution here isn't to exchange our weariness for his strength. Every time we come together to worship, think about it. You and I, well, you've come and you've come and it's a beautiful day to get out and all that. I'm glad you're here. God bless you for being in church today. I want to just thank you and I just pray God's blessings upon you today. But every time we come to church, 
There is obviously even not just, I believe, the possibility, but the probability. You're positioning yourself to receive the strength of God. Now, he can do that wherever he wants to do it. But a lot of times it happens in the church house. It happens when we gather corporately, where our faith is, in, is stirred. We hear answers to prayer. We thank God for many answered prayers in here today. We believe as we lift these things to the Lord today that, I, that have been spoken, that God answers, hears and answers our prayers. But isn't it good? You have set yourself up for the strength of God. Isn't that great news? Amen. That doesn't exclude others, but you're here positioning yourself he gives power to who? The weak. Only when you realize that you can't do it. Only when you realize that you are weak is when you receive the power of God, obviously. We know that His grace is sufficient for us. And, and in 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Oh my goodness. You know, I'm weak, but God is strong. And He gives me His strength to be able to carry on, to keep praying for revival for one thing, to keep taking and putting one foot in front of the other, not to give up when I stumble and fall, to press into God, not back off, because the Israelites, they were backing off and saying, God is not fair. No, God is completely just. The problem is not with God. The problem is with you and me. The problem is with those who don't believe God's Word because of that unbelief there. In verse 30, listen to this. Even the youths grow faint and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait and trust in the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on Wings like eagles, they'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Those who wait upon the Lord. We talked about yesterday a little bit. We know time is getting short. That could be true for any of us. We don't know. We may be, even today, I believe we're living on borrowed time, right? By the grace of God, we're here today. If He wanted to call us home, He would. And we're waiting upon the Lord. And we're not inactive in that waiting. We're actually active. We're not passive. But actually, we are engaged with our faith, waiting upon the Lord expectantly that God is hearing our prayers and God's going to provide and infuse. I like that word, infusion. I like that. Because that's kind of a term that's used today in this generation, right? An infusion of God's strength. An impartation of God's strength. You know, infusion, some of those fruit smoothie drinks they have. You know, you've got infusion types of Asian food or whatever they are. You know, all these weird terms. It used to be just Chinese food. Now they call it all this other stuff and they tack on 5 to $10 more per plate. That's all it is. But I love the infusion power of God. Don't y'all? I love His strength. And here we see the Hebrew word for wait is, is quava, which means to wait with expectation. It's not just in a state of, of, of passivity, but it's an attitude of faith. It's looking to the Lord for strength and expecting to receive it from Him. This is what God's calling us today. Don't give up. Believe Him. Stand still. Be still and know that He is God. 
Don't give up whatever the situation is. Let me tell you, don't give up on revival either. You know, I was thinking about this and, and I was reflecting and talking to the Lord about it. And I pray for revival for the church. But yet, I was asking the Lord in the last couple of weeks, Lord, give me, I need revival. I need revival. Begin with me. I was running this morning and, and I was telling the Lord, I begin with me. Revival. And I believe God will do that. I wait upon Him. I do not give up on that. You know, I may not fully see it manifested, but I believe something happens. I just keep praying. I keep plugging along, don't you? Don't you keep plowing up that ground? And God, when the Word of God comes, it will go into the fertile soil of the ground, be turned over, and it will bear forth much fruit. I need more of God, more of His love, more of His gifts, more of His fruit, more of His presence in my life, more of His, His taking away of my selfishness and giving me that heart of unselfishness. You see old-timers sometimes, even uh, yesterday when I asked the, uh, the family about Stella Callison, I said, what's the first word that comes to your mind when you think of your mom? And Jeanette said she was unselfish. She was unselfish. You see, that's what I need more of, that type of spirit. Because selfishness just rises up and it's like, I want my way. And even when sometimes indirectly you don't think it's always there, it is. That, oh, it, it will never get any better. You've got to crucify the flesh every day. We get to heaven, that's gone then. But right now, that's a battle every day. I want God. I want revival. And I want to wait. Even as I wait upon Him, I wait believing. I wait believing. I don't give up. I do not give up on God on this, in this country called the United States of America. We saw our, our military men and women that stood here today. We celebrate Veterans Day. Yes, thank you, Lord. And I don't give up on this country. I keep praying for revival for this country. I pray for our president. I pray for our Congress. I pray for our Supreme Court. I pray for the local particular governments and so forth, the state and the local. Keep praying. Do not give up. Ask God to give them divine wisdom because Lord knows with the way things are today, our leaders need divine wisdom. Pray that God would give the leadership here at Lighthouse Fellowship divine wisdom. I need wisdom, folks. Our leadership needs wisdom. I, I don't, I don't. I have certain thoughts about this and that, but I want to do the will of God and nothing else. Pray for wisdom. Pray for this church regularly. I ask the Spirit of God to, to work in our hearts to, to do that very thing. I believe today. I believe the enemy will not have his way. I will not give up. And I won't back down. And I won't back up. How about you? You need strength? Doesn't take an IV. Maybe it's a spiritual IV. If you infuse in strength today, we carry on. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. And thank you for your presence. I thank you for every person in this place today, how precious they are. Bless them. Give them strength. Set us up with a spiritual IV to give us an infusion of strength to carry on. We love you, Jesus. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.